right, everybody. Uh, this is Caleb here, Professor Crunch, and we are starting off a brand new fifth edition actual play. Uh, so what we're going to do first is we will introduce our players and their characters for the evening, and then we will start uh, digging into the game world. So I will start with Scott. Oh dear, going first. A lot of pressure. Alright, so uh, hello, boys and girls out there in Fantasyland. I'm playing Ruthful Moltenbrand, a uh, Druger or a Durger, uh, basically an underdwarf or dark dwarf of this fantasy land. I've uh, joined this revolutionary band uh, as a representative of the dwarves, fighting against the um, ever-present uh, crushing forces of uh, order that have descended on our once delightfully chaotic set of nation-states, and fighting the Terran, the, the Earth Elemental Menace that, uh, that arises in there. I'm playing a uh, warlock. I have a lot of very magical evocations. And um, uh, aside from that, the other player characters don't know too much about me. I believe most of that will be revealed during play. Very good. Thank you, Scott. And uh, why don't we go down the line? We're going to introduce a new voice here on the RPG Academy. Brand new to our actual plays, but has been a wonderful friend of the show for a very long time. So, aw, I take it all back. Never mind. I'm not that sentimental. Go yeah, for fuck it, sir. That guy. <laughs> very well. This is Paul. I will be playing Mundus Sapitkag, a half-orc paladin. He, uh... He is a Order of the Ancients paladin, which means he's bit kind of a hippie. He likes to hang out in the woods, talk to squirrels, and uh, chop wood. He's a uh, paladin of cord, so he's all about strength, all about brawn. He's he's not uh, strong in the traditional bodybuilder sense. He's built much like a tree trunk. He's just all all shoulders and hips and co- and torso. He's just he's just a mountain of a of a creature. He uh, <laughs> he uh, carries a battle axe. He's his main interest in joining this rebellion is somebody told him that he couldn't whip him, and so he's took that out as his challenge, and he's doing this all for the glory of his deity and uh, to keep them from messing with his forest that he likes to protect and hang out in. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Paul. And uh, last, let's just leave it at last. <laughs> for now. For now. I am Michael, and I am playing a dragonborn named Bra Rathborn, and he is a dual or multi-class barbarian paladin. In in this world, dragonborn are somewhat rare, and uh, my parents had come over to the area where we're going to start. I was a very, very young child. I got lost and separated from them, and when they left, I was left behind, and I was found by an, um, a group of uh, half-orcs in the woods and raised in their tribe, but I never really fit in. So they eventually sent me back across the sea to my family, where because of spending so much time with the barbarians, I didn't really fit in. So they shipped me off to Paladin School to get rid of me. I was I was very annoying there too. So eventually, the leaders of the church sent me on what they thought was a fool's errand. Something just to send me off on a quest that would never be completed. But by God, I did it. And I found a legendary artifact at a, at a sunken shrine to Bahamut, where I found two of three ancient artifacts, a magical helmet and a magical shield. And when I returned, they were like, oh, and uh, now I'm off to try to find the third missing item, which I don't actually know what it is, but I know it when I see it. I I fight with my dual nature between being raised as a barbarian and now trying to serve Bahamut as a paladin. 
So I kind of have a simmering rage underneath my cold logic. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Uh, so, as we have heard from these three introductions, uh, you've gotten some bits and pieces about the world we will be playing in, so allow me to share some details. The game takes place in a world I am calling Thera. Uh, this uh, world of Thera used to be uh, full, full of war and chaos. All of the nations and countries were always struggling with each other, arguing over trade routes, arguing over borders. Uh, the disputes would often come to blows, and war was a very real part of everyday life. About 50 years in the past, in our story's timeline, all that war suddenly ceased when a dictator rose to power almost overnight, stopped all struggle, took over the rule of every single nation, state, and country almost simultaneously. Uh, and since then, this dictator has ruled pretty much the entire land without question and without anyone uh, rising up against him. The way the dictator has managed to do this, the way he took over in the past and the way he has maintained control since then, is that he has, under his direct control, an army the likes of which the world has never seen. He is in control of the most powerful, extreme Earth elementals. The elementals are not unknown in the world. It's not like they are an, an alien or an abnormal being that he brought there. But in this world, the Earth elementals, all of the elementals really we're pretty much in the background. No one interacted with them on daily live. Uh, this is not like Eberron where different elementals were put together in, uh, or put to use, I should say. Although it should be noted that the Duragar, or however that's pronounced, I apologize. They're not real. They're not going to take offense. Oh, damn it. That's right. Okay. I don't have to be so PC. Uh, so basically the, uh, the dark <laughs> dwarves, the, the dwarves that uh, existed. The underdwarves? The underdwarves, yeah. Thank you very much. The underdwarves <laughs> did have a working relationship with these elementals. However, since the underdwarves were underneath the rest of society, that's not really a commonly known fact. So for the most part, people did not see these elementals in everyday life. And then suddenly the dictator, when he rises to power, he just brings all of these massive stony beings to light. And they are his brute force to strike down all opposition. And in the past 50 years that he's been reigning, he actually uses these elementals to patrol the cities, the states, the countries. They are his eyes and ears out in the world. In general, no one knows what happened or how this one apparently normal human, took control of these elementals. There are lots of stories, but uh, no facts. So that's something that will most likely come up as we go. The dictator is cruel and harsh. If a city does not turn in the appropriate taxes, he will use the earth elementals to wall them off, just raise stones around them and cut off all ties to the outside world. You guys have heard stories of a city being buried and absolutely wiped off the face of the earth. 
bards have told most likely exaggerated tales of a city being lifted up on top of a mountain that was not there the night before because they did something to displease the dictator or break his rules. So even though there is no war and even though life isn't absolutely horrible, there certainly is a constant threat of danger. And in fact, on most of the main roads, travel has to be approved. One of the main things the Earth Elementals do is they actually monitor and control all the major roadways and travel options between towns and cities. So if someone, uh, a merchant has to travel, if a person has to travel, they have to basically get a travel visa so that they are allowed to go from city to city. And if someone attempts to travel without proper clearance and authorization, that can lead to some feedback and punishment from the elementals and the dictator. In any good story where there is a an oppressive dictator, a rebellion will, of course, arise. And that is where our PCs find themselves. We are going to start with the PCs... At third level, so from a, a, a game standpoint, everyone has rolled up a third level character here today. We, uh, we are all playing heroes. You guys have established yourself in battle. You are not newbie players. You are not newbie PCs. You are not learning the ways of, of the dictator or the rebellion. Uh, you have firmly demonstrated your skill and people know your names. People know what you can do. Uh, you have a great reputation. You guys are starting in a small fishing village up in the mountains. This is a village that is of a day or so's travel from any large metropolis city. The regime of the dictator is not as oppressive in this area as it is in some larger cities, but he still has a presence there with soldiers and the elementals. Uh, this is a fishing village set off in the, the heavy forest near the mountains. So most of, uh, the city thrives on, um, fishing, harvesting trees, harvesting different goods from, uh, the forests and mountains. The majority of that is turned in to the dictator in, in tribute and taxes. But you guys in the village anyway have uh, enough to live on and uh, a little bit of a trade with other small villages and farmers that might live a few miles either direction. And uh, you guys have worked together, uh, so you guys have a history of not just battle, but cooperatively accomplishing tasks, being given missions, that kind of thing. Uh, the town knows who you are. The town recognizes your deeds, your success. The interaction with the dictator is not so extreme that his soldiers are coming to town to seek you out as members of the rebellion. So this is not going to necessarily be a hide-from-the-soldiers kind of thing, but if the rebellion needs you guys to do something, you do have ways of communicating with other kind of splinter cells throughout Thera. And uh, sometimes a, rav a raven might come with a message, or uh, a merchant might slip something into a, a, a bag of goods that you purchase from him. 
So that type of thing is not out of the ordinary, but this isn't happening every single day. So as we start the game here, we will uh, open the curtains here on our adventure now that all the housekeeping is taken care of. It is a spring morning, a few hours past dawn. It's been a, a quiet few days, nothing crazy happening, uh, no missions, no big fights, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, so why don't you guys tell me what you three find yourself doing on an average morning? Uh, I would be giving my daily uh, prayers to Bahamut. So I would be by the river, undressing, giving my uh, prayers, and then I will take my morning swim. Uh, do you have anyone that you share your faith with, Bra? Are you, uh, do you, do you even witness Bra? Do you even <laughs> preach? Do you even proselytize Bra? I, I do, actually, because I feel that I have been chosen specifically by Bahamut. So, uh, that's actually one of my personality traits is that I believe everything that happens to me is part of this grand plan. So, the, the most minor of things is all part of this cosmic. Uh, jigsaw puzzle to get me into the right place at the right time. So I would definitely, I wouldn't do it like as like a organized service, but like if I'm with somebody, I'd be like, did you see that? That sparrow flew from that tree to that tree. Clearly that must mean I'm ready to go on a journey. Bahamut has called me and then I'll like rush off to go get my stuff thinking that I'm about to leave. Okay. Are there any other followers of Bahamut in uh, Hayden's Ferry? Uh, I would say a few. Uh, again, we haven't really set the pantheos or pantheon, I should say, of this world, so I don't know where Bahamut Falls, like next to Cord, is like dominant. But I would think that I'm not the only one. Are there any other Dragonborn, or am I the only one in the village? No other Dragonborn. If we want to tangent off into the pantheon here for a second, let's just say that everyone's a pretty equal footing, just so we don't have to worry about it. Okay. No, no one deity dominates over others. All right. No. So there's probably like a um, multi-denominational churches that I would mm. go go to. <laughs> you know, ten to ten fifteenth Bahamut, ten fifteen to ten thirties Cord, ten thirty one to eleven forty five is drinks and socializing, and then they all afford one minister who just wears a number of tassels and <laughs> yes. sort of fakes it through the half of the pantheon that they don't really support. <laughs> Bunch of different cabinets on the back wall of yep. the chapel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like it. I, I approve. All right. So that is what uh, Bra is doing this fine morning. Uh, what about Mundus? What is Mundus doing? Mundus doesn't uh, necessarily have a church he participates in, so to speak. He's more of an evangelistic type. He's probably out uh, doing ha every morning. You know, he's having his own different uh, 
focusing on his own separate body type. Like one day he focuses on his core, one day he focuses on cardio, another day focuses on his legs. Because you know, since core is the god of strength, that's his main. Uh, that's their main thing. He's probably has a couple of hangers on that follow around. You know, with their with their cut off t shirts and sweatbands. You know, and their weight belts and. It's a lot like his his sermons are a lot like a power team demonstration with a lot of feats of strength, you know, lifting heavy logs, breaking bricks, tearing phone books in half, or or you know, uh, wide thick uh, stacks of scrolls in half. The Church of ESPN. <laughs> yeah. So so the the body was never created for a sedentary lifestyle. So so are the uh, are the stations of the cross just a cross training circuit? <laughs> yeah, basically. We have 26 stations of the cross. <laughs> We're going clockwise today. Well, obviously, if you don't follow cord, you go counterclockwise, and and you work when you work those muscle groups in an alternating fashion. That's how the Antichrist is born. You also skip leg day. If you're oh. skipping leg day, that is blasphemous. Oh, no. Cord doesn't skip leg day. That's un- that's unacceptable. You're all top heavy. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mundus is probably looked at by a lot of the village as kind of a weirdo, but he's he's he supplies firewood for them. And uh, if you're if you're standing next to Mundus, you probably believe in Cord right then at least because he's a very terrifying fellow. I like Mundus very much. And I I forgot to mention his uh, his tusks are are carved into little fists. So if if you ever have him grappled, he can still do bludgeoning damage with his bottom jaw. Oh, and it should be noted to our listeners that. All half-orcs have magnificent mustaches. Oh, that is canon. That's absolutely canon. Mundus has a massive, fantastical handlebar mustache. Yeah, he has the he has the mutton chops of Andrew Burnside and uh, the mustache of that guy that does the uh, does the movie reviews on CBS this morning. I love it. I love it. And uh, what about our dwarvish friend Bruthall? Bruthwall, uh, Wall, sadly, sorry. is skipping leg day, as he does every day. Blasphemous. What a heathen. Oh, snap. I know, I know, it's just uh, terrible. Um, he is uh, currently spending his time, as he spends uh, a great amount of his time, with his his uh, back sadly arched over a desk with uh, dim candlelight, reading over papers and dispatches, which he's received from the... Uh, the under dwarves, of course, he's he serves as a diplomat in their service, and uh, that's that's his his perfunctory function in his um, we'll say cover identity. Uh, that, that that is also the reason that he's out here. He's he's here to um, relate to the resistance and represent the dwarves to them, and uh, so he he often needs to communicate back and forth with the dwarves so he he uh does a great deal of that during the day his his enormous white furry waggly eyebrows intensely furrowing and waggling over in the nondescript paperwork of of a generally disinteresting nature when you first said that his back was arched you had my undivided attention yeah i thought we were going to a dirty place no, I, I mean, he hunches. What What do you guys do to type? You stand up straight and tall? What? A, I mean, we learned that in typing class, and then none of us ever do, right? <laughs> do you home road, bra? <laughs> do you even posture, bro? No, no, no. No, he, he just, uh, you know, it's, 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 it is to the state, his, his, um, 
very worldly duties of reading, writing, and arithmetics, uh, less of the arithmetics unless they have some diplomatic function, are of, have progressed to the extent that, that even when he stands up straight, he has a, a pronounced hunch. Well, it's a standing desk to an underdwarf, but to everyone else, it's just a desk. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> the day progresses, and you guys are out and about doing your normal things. Doing some yoga. Yeah, a little bit of yoga, a little bit of swimming. Downward facing dragon. <laughs> and uh, it comes to around noon, and the not quite elder of the town, but a gentleman who has more or less assumed that type of position comes to Ruthwall's apartment and knocks on his door. Well, I'm uh, for a brief moment. I'm 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 annoyed at the interruption, but then my my uh, diplomatic training takes over, and I uh, open the door quite graciously and and greet my esteemed guest, welcoming him in, and 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 of halfway through preparing his his favorite uh, beverage, which I know off the top of my head, before he gets a word out. And since you know his favorite beverage off the top of your head, you would certainly know his name. So, what would his name be? Let's say, uh, let's call him Vulcan Lestrade. Say, welcome, Vulcan. Please come in. Ah, thank you, Bruce Wall. I appreciate it. Ah, that tea smells magnificent. Thank you so much. And how have you been? He drinks cheese? That's delicious. (laughs) Let me just get your molten cheese ready. I know how you (laughs) must, I know how that just really puts a morning together for you. I'm pretty sure I said tea, not cheese. Oh, okay. All right. I've got to pull something out of my ear. But hey. Maybe, maybe he likes fondue. You never know. Who does Could be. That's right. And he just drinks it down. It's so logical. (laughs) Why would I spread this onto something? I merely drink it. Keeps him healthy and young throughout the days. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, Vulcan sits and you guys chit-chat a little bit. And, uh, eventually he clears his throat. Well, Ruthwall, uh, what, what, what have you found yourself doing these past few days? Have you been well? Uh, yes, yes, quite well. Wonderful, wonderful. I've just been looking over these, these, uh, you know, when he discusses some extremely boring minutia about, uh, you know, uh, subtle tax levy differences between mushroom exchange, which is a business that the, uh, underdwarves have in common and interact with, with the, uh, overworld. He allows himself to be interrupted very quickly. Well, 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 yes, that, that is quite certainly fascinating, and perhaps we can bring it up at the next town meeting to go over such things in detail. But for the time being, my friend, might you have a moment to uh, do an errand for the town? Oh, I'm, I am at your disposal here as a representative of, of dwarven kind. What, what could I do for you? Ah, well, I do appreciate your kindness, sir. There is an individual that lives, uh, li- lives a ways out in the woods. He's a bit of a loner, a hermit, but he is, is quite an expert at gathering medicinal herbs and, uh, such things, uh, and remedies that the natural world does provide us. Many of his gatherings and studies have been influential in, in taking care of us here in the town and certain other important people around the world. And he gives you a bit of a wink and a nudge. And you know that he means 
these medicines and herbs that are being found are being sent out through the rebellion and to help people in various means that the dictator might not let through uh, official means. Uh, but I, I say, oh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more, say no more. Absolutely. <laughs> Normally, once a week, we receive a, a shipment from this man, and uh, we have not received anything from him for two weeks. And I find that to be very disconcerting. Now, it is normally something that I would just send a few of my boys out into the woods to go check on him. However, uh, the spring season is upon us, and everyone is at uh, the river preparing for the high point of our fishing trade, our most profitable season. I really cannot spare anyone to venture into the woods. I was wondering if you would mind going and checking on him for me. My my esteemed friend, it would be my absolute pleasure. Oh, and he breathes a sigh of relief, and you can see he kind of... The weight lifts from his shoulder. He doesn't feel so awkward about asking you for a favor. Although this is really more of a ritual. He has asked you for favors in the past, and obviously you have had no problem helping him out. But it is that kind of ritual that he goes through. He's just an older fellow from an older generation. <laughs> so he, he chit-chats with you a little bit longer, and he gives you a hand-drawn map that would show you path that most people would normally take to get through the woods to the area where this hermit lives. And he goes about his way. He, he bids you farewell and heads off to do commoner things. I, 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 I I, I, of course, uh, wish him the best and, uh, you know, make my perfunctory best wishes to his wife and numerous, innumerous great-grandchildren, and uh, be sure to offer him any sort of molten cheese that he may want on his way, and uh, then I'll I'll quickly turn on the bat signal, which, by which I mean, you know, walk out the back door and head up the hill to go find my two woodsier companions who can hopefully stand in front of me should there be any sort of... Um, significant drama occur on this adventure. Alrighty, so you head off uh, into the town in the woods. Uh, who are you going to go look for first? Oh, let's let's say, who's closer? One person's, what, swimming in the naked, and the other person is holding exercise church? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let, let's go for exercise church. I assume the naked swimming has to be a little further out of town so that the random town's children <laughs> don't all of a sudden see your tackle, right? Is, uh, I'm a dragonborn, so I have an any. <laughs> you have hemipenes. <laughs> Ooh. Is uh is cords communion power bars and protein drinks? Church is in full swing at uh Mundus's neck of the woods. You're just ripping about, a phone yeah. book in half? Yeah. Of course, there's, there's only like six people in it. So it's really there's not just, that there's hard. There's so many Yeah, there's there's so many chunks of wood that are just cuz cuz my guy carries an axe. There's so many chunks of wood that are all over the place just from him just making Using them for sermon illustrations and you know breaking them over his head and you know all kinds of stuff. They're just it's just, they're just sawdust everywhere. So it smells pretty good. It's nice and woodsy, fresh smelling. Mm, and, delightful. Uh, and that's why you should always remember: you've only got three choices in life: give in, get up, or give it all you've got. Amen. I say from the back of the pulpit, along with a slow clap. <laughs> I love every moment of this. Thank you. I uh sort of hunchedly shamble up the uh, the main walkway through our makeshift church and, and 
and I I say uh, you know I I assume there's there's sort of a constant flow of th- th- there are a few dedicated hangers on if I'm correct, and then there's a flow of folks coming in and leaving as as the uh, fishermen will make muscly offerings so that they may have muscly bounties and be able to pull in their nets well things like that. Uh, shoulder my way through some of the some of the the less dedicated individuals and and say uh, ah there's there's great need for feats of strength and daring do in the woods. Would you be interested? I'm always ready to use my biceps, bring glory to cord, and defend my, uh, tree, my tree home. Oh, yup. <laughs> Alright. Good. And then there were two. I think, uh, I think we're good to go. Alright. I'll, uh, make my way out of the gym-smelling disaster. Now, Paul, uh, I'm gonna ask you here <laughs> to tell me a little bit about this hermit that lives off in the woods. Because Mundus would certainly know the area that he's in, and he's probably met him once or twice. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, what's his name, or what do you call him? He, uh, he's, uh, he's half-elf, uh, pretty old, pretty quiet. Mundus thinks that he's, ex- he's incredibly uh, excited to see him every time he shows up, but really it's, it's more of a real sigh, like, oh, it's this guy again. And uh, what's his name? Duramir. Uh, so you guys chat a little bit. Brithwall shows you the map that uh, Vulcan gave him. Obviously, you know a better way to get there because Mundus clearly has been a oh, man. Yeah, he, doesn't of... need, he doesn't need. Maps. Oh yes, he's been a man of the woods for so much longer. And uh, so you, you guys know where you're going pretty easily. And uh, are you going to go get Bra? Of course, Bra. So go do it. Oh, let's go get that dragon fella. Oh yes, yes, the cold blooded are handy at a pinch. So we we troop off to the to the lake and. Uh... Shielding my eyes with my uh, weak, thinly little forearm, I'll stride up and <laughs> and say, uh, "Well, first of all, when you when you come upon me, I am now out of the river, and I've got like a like a yoga mat down, and I'm doing a combination of sort of yoga and tai chi, and I have my trident with me, and in my head, I am just awesome, but I look more like the Star Wars kid than anyone else that's watching." So it's just a bunch of flailing circles with my trident going in different directions. But then as you approach, I I will notice you and then sort of allow you to come into my dojo. So I, I step into your sleazy little clearing that you call a dojo. My, my thin forearm in the way of your air-drying dampness. And, uh... I say, ah, uh, I, I don't suppose we could possibly interrupt your yoga... Yog Chi training, but 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 there's there's uh, some some drama afoot. There may be a missing person, and I knew that you would be the person to ask. I knew you would be coming. <laughs> hey guys, Batman's here. We're fine. <laughs> He's the dragonborn the city deserves. <laughs> I say, yeah. Uh, so we need to go find my friend Updog. <laughs> what? <laughs> God damn it. What's up, dog? I don't know. What's up with you? All right, officially, everyone, 30 minutes into the game, and we the wheels have come off. You know, it was right when I was introduced to you. I don't know how that worked. How did that happen? But I will, I will point and go, I have watched this turtle. He has not come out of his shell. So clearly Bahamut is telling me that someone is not where they're supposed to be. Let us go find this man. I, I look at the turtle and say, 
He just doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, between him air drying and talking about, you know, turtle heads poking out of their shells, I'm uh, really interested in in putting some pants on and get getting getting to work. You know, we 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 should. <laughs> He's just. <laughs> He's just Donald Duck. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the way all natural things should be done, I'm sure he I believes. will have to gear up, so we'll have to swing by the uh, two-bedroom apartment and let me get geared up. I think to myself, oh, God, you don't take clothes when you come out here? Just oh. a robe. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, yes, yes, we'll we'll swing by the apartment. I'll, uh, I'll wait outside I for no reason. I want to take the turtle with me. <laughs> I it, it may lead to further omens later. Just, just to be clear, I've already named him Francis. That sticks. <laughs> I just, I just pet the pet the shells. It's all right. It's over now. He's never gonna hurt you again. I, I feel like I missed the pregame meeting where we decided we were all doing the stupidest possible voices. You know what? Actually, I'm really impressed with Paul's. Mine's awful, but I'm actually really impressed with Paul. At least we don't oh, have a Jamaican. I've watched dragon. a lot of episodes of King of a Hill. It's, it's, it's good. You should go. Bo- <laughs> oh, you should go, awful. Boomhauser. Let's let's not. We'll, we'll let Matt be Boomhauser. All right. So uh, Bra will quickly <laughs> quickly run to uh, the apartment and don his uh, chain armor. Grab his oh God, he's jogging! Crack. I can't watch. Oh. <laughs> I'll I'll take my tail and like come up between my legs and tie it off like a sumo belt. This is just wonderful. I love this. Is that a is that a dragonborn tail around your waist? Or are you just happy to see me? We're, we're a classy bunch, ladies and gentlemen. So at least I at, tried to be. See, I'll look at Mundus and say, "Brother of Cord, let us jog," and I'll start jogging off to the apartment. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put the turtle down and really excitedly just bring my knees right up to my chest and join him. I've got the biggest grin on my face. Okay. Alrighty, so, all shenanigans aside, uh, you have acquired your gear, and the, the map says that this is maybe an hour's walk into the woods. It's not very far away at all. Uh, you guys are all fairly familiar with the area. Mundus knows the woods much better. It's only 57 minutes if they follow me instead of an hour. Definitely. Because uh, you bypass that one construction site where they're, they're always oh, yeah, yeah. turn up the road. Only, we, we only take right turns, both there and back. <laughs> only right turns. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, so as you guys head off, the woods are quiet. Nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, everything seems pretty normal. Uh, you're, you walk for about a half hour or so. You're just following the, the maps. Every once in a while, Mundus says, oh, no, 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 this way instead of that way, and, and leads you around a giant tree. I, I stop and act like that squirrel told me we need to turn here. And uh, why don't you all give me a perception check? Bum, bum, bum! Nine plus one, that would give me a ten. Eleven plus one is twelve. Twelve plus one is thirteen. All right. Uh, so none of us can perceive worth a damn. Excellent. Well, you guys notice as you're walking, as you get closer to uh, the destination on the map, uh, what would be uh, Duramir's house, the woods start to get really quiet. 
normally there are those background ambient noises and sounds of the woods, animals moving about and chirping and doing animally things. Uh, but everything just gets really quiet, not quite eerily calm, but it's quite out of the ordinary. Too quiet. Oh, you jocks, there's no such thing, I naively say. Uh, you guys keep walking a little bit. Uh, it continues to stay quiet. You get about 10, 15 minutes away from your destination, and suddenly you hear... And it sounds, to the best of your knowledge, like a, a blade hitting a piece of wood. Ooh. Like like an axe blade hitting a piece of wood? Like someone's chopping? It's possible. Well, I'm glad I'm not in the front. <laughs> oh, I'm utterly in front. My axe is out, my shield's ready as soon as I hear that. The, the road you're on is pretty curvy. Um, this is not quite a cut-and-defined road, more of a worn path through the woods. So it goes around trees. It finds the uh, path of least resistance around hills and valleys and little things in the woods there, the natural elements that you would navigate between. But it does kind of make a sharp turn around a pretty dense part of the woods. And from the map and from your knowledge of the area, uh, Duramir's house would be right around the corner. And that noise actually happens again once or twice as you guys are getting closer. So what would you like to do? I'm going to have my raven... I'm, I'm going to whisper to my raven familiar and uh, have it scout ahead. See if it uh, sees anything, wants to warn me about anything, let me know about anything in particular. Are you just going to have it fly up into the trees and take a look around or actually go down the path a little bit? Oh, I, I mean, that's sort of its decision. I just say, scout ahead, let me know what's uh, going on. And it flies off and does as you and or it and or the DM wishes, yeah. Wonderful. Um, and what are you two doing when he, while he does that? Do you stand back and wait? Do you forge on ahead? Um, I'd probably peek around a tree uh, and get ready to and just uh, keep an eye out, try and listen to see if there's any anything flying away, like birds or tree or chipmunks or anything like that, and just try and get an idea of what's going on, because that doesn't sound right. I will uh, take up like a defensive posture somewhat behind Mundus, uh, almost like back-to-back, and I'm going to strike like a cool pose, but I kind of just look like a moron. So, like, normal? <laughs> quit, quit rubbing your tail up on me, man. Okay, so, uh, Mundus, why don't you go ahead and give me a perception check for poking your head around the tree. I got a 13 total. What do you see? All right, so what you see uh, around, as you look around the corner of this tree, uh, you see a clearing that has been cut out into the woods and worn down. Um, this is Duramir's house. You have been there before. You're familiar with the area. This is a, a small wooden shack, not quite a lean-to, but not really a cabin either. Duramir is a hermit that has lived in the woods for quite some time. His living quarters have been built out of still living trees and saplings that he has bent and formed into the shape of his little house. So there's still living uh, moss and trees and leaves everywhere. He's, he's very much uh, that typical wood elf part of his half-elf, uh, where he is 
<clears throat> living one with nature. Um, there's a little fire pit. Um, there's a small little well that he dug. Uh, I'm going to say, Mundus, you probably helped him dig that well at some point. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, e- even if he doesn't use it, there's an enormous pile of firewood nearby that I've supplied. Oh, sure. Him. I mean, it's, it's bigger than his house. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's thinking, like, burning trees? That's sacrilege, but thanks. <laughs> hey, it's only, it's all dead wood. That's true. Mundus does not cut down living trees. Yeah. He's, he's very much a conservationist. But what, what you see immediately, Mundus, and, um, Brithwall, what your raven tells you at pretty much the same time is that this area is overrun with small little angry looking humanoid figures. They've got nasty gnashing teeth, uh, long scaly ears. They're wearing uh, bits and pieces of leather armor mismatched and strapped across them. Uh, this little clearing is being overrun with goblins. Uh, there is one goblin that is a bit larger, wearing a bit nicer armor, and he is definitely uh, telling the other goblins what to do, snapping orders at them. They are essentially pillaging this house, rummaging through all the boxes, breaking things, turning things over. And uh, do any of you speak goblin? I do. Well, then, uh, Mundus, you are close enough uh, to hear the goblins talking to each other in little goblin-y snips and snaps. Oh, we have to find it. We have to find it. Keep looking. Is it over there? No. Flip through that box. Turn that one over. Yay, you. Get to work. Grab that. Open that up. We got to find the item. And this this keeps going on. They do not notice any of you. Just just right. as Francis foretold, he must be hidden inside there. <laughs> We need to rescue him. That's a wonderful idea, I offer, uh, somewhat uh, cautiously from behind everyone. Goblins, like criminals, are a superstitious lot. Perhaps we can scare <laughs> them away with theatrics. Or perhaps we can scare them away by walking a few of our heads off. I, w- I would avoid violence if possible. Hmm. All right, I will uh, take that as, as my as the suggestion to uh, creep up. And try and use um, some sort of uh, minor illusions to to frighten them into leaving. Is that the plan? Uh, so so I'll, I'll I'll suggest this. I say I I, I can uh, sneak up and try to present them with some horrifying imagery to run them off. But if that doesn't work, I hope that you, my frightful allies, will come to my aid. I think if I rip one of them in half with my bare hands, that'd be pretty horrifying too. Oh well, yeah. I mean, if you want to do that, I'll be right here when you come back. And wholly right. unnecessary. I'm... Stupid Batman paladin. <laughs> <laughs> Someone take him for a walk. All right, all right. <laughs> he hasn't had his shot today. I, I, yeah. It's all right. We'll, we'll try. We'll try a scary illusion that's fictional first. And if that doesn't work, we'll try a scary actual non-illusion of you <laughs> ripping one in half. How does that sound? <laughs> I'm just I'll just kind of shrug and lean on my axe and just kind of, just kind of like, and start picking my teeth with uh, my necklace. All right. So, here we go still. Hey, that's uh, 18 plus, I think I get a four bonus on that, so 22. Ruthwald, you can slip through the woods 
absolutely soundlessly, not even a crack of twigs. You don't brush any leaves out of the way. As you get closer, tell me how you're sneaking up. Are you going up behind the house, along the side of it? Where exactly are you headed? Hmm. I'm going to flank a, a little bit away from my allies, but not so far that I become stranded, and then uh, sneak up into some underbrush so that I get a, pardon me, a good view of the clearing. There's an underdwarf in that underbrush. All right. Uh, as you get closer, you, through your tremor sense, you in you know that there are ten goblins in the area, and there is one leader, non-goblin, one, oh. no one boss that is giving orders. Do I sense any humanoid or elf type moving around, or perhaps lying on the ground? No, you do not. Hmm, that's positive. He was out when they came and ransacked his crap. Alright, I, uh, hmm, actually, if he's not here, then making an illusion driving them off, we'll just have to chase them down to see what they've done with him. Um, my friends are at least within eyeshot, they can see what's happening. I think my illusion may be the illusion of an agonizing blast hitting the leader in the face. That's a great illusion, go for it. Alright, <laughs> good. That's. I lean over to Brazos. I could have done that. <laughs> I could have done that. <laughs> it's magic. You have no idea how it's done. Ooh. <laughs> I uh, may, can my Raven uh aid another me during my shooting to help me see in this blistering daylight? Uh, yes. Good. All right. So it uses its action pointing out to me where the monsters are not. Uh, and the blops in my eyes from the sun, that cursed soul. And uh, so in that case, I get an 18 on the die to hit, so that's uh, 24. And you were targeting the goblin boss who is in charge? Yes, the leader type. Oh, wonderful. You hit him square in the chest. Delightful. He takes uh, five plus two points of force damage as a blob of of uh, purest earth uh, impales him into the chest. Oh. I will sort of duck my head and go, I hate it when a plan falls apart. All right. And in that moment, the goblin, uh, you hit him in, in the chest. He, he falls off the little stump that he was standing on. He immediately jumps to his feet, holding the wound and he, he shrieks out in Goblin, We're being attacked! We're being attacked! Prepare yourselves! And immediately the other goblins drop what they're doing, draw their weapons, and we will roll initiative. Uh, I got a 14. I got a 12 with my plus zero for initiative. I got a big smacking five on the die, plus two for dex. Okay, so top of the order is actually the goblin boss. Uh, he will... Continue to shout orders and tell the goblins to look for the enemies, um, but we'll do nothing else this round. The goblins will essentially group up where they are. They're not standing in any sort of rank, file, or formation, but there'll be little bunches of two or three of them together with their uh, swords and clubs drawn, and they are looking around for an enemy, but they have not seen anyone yet, and bra, what would you like to do? So I will step out from behind the trees and try to make a fearsome presence and call out in common, 
Flee! Save yourself! Bahamut does not wish you to die today, but we will kill you if we must. And then I will cast Bless upon my companions so that we will fight better if necessary. Would you like to make an Intimidate check as part of that? Or... Sure. Yeah. That's what yeah, I'm doing. Go for I'm trying it. To, trying to intimidate some shit out of these guys. Yeah. I got a two. Plus two. Four. So I fell over my trident as I stepped around the tree. Most of what I said was into the dirt. And then I rolled up and just said, bless. Well, you know what? You might have stumbled a little bit, but a a dragonborn... A blue dragonborn, correct? Yes. A blue dragonborn in brilliant scale mail armor, or chain mail armor, with oh. your helmet that has another dragon's face on it, stepping out suddenly, making all kinds of gigantic, growly, bold statements, and then glowing with divine energy as you cast a spell, scares the bejesus out of these poor little goblins. And the ones that were closest to you actually kind of fall down and scout and, uh, and, and run away from you. And, uh, you are, there's a big clearing in front of you. You're about 30 feet away from the house. And, uh, all the goblins are about, uh, about 20 feet away from you, cowering in fear. Um, Mundus. Uh, how close am I to the lead goblin? Uh, about 30 feet. 30 feet? Uh, what is, what is he, is he, look like he's bracing for battle or does he look like he's backing off or about to chicken out he is definitely scared of what bra just did um but he is maintaining his composure a little bit and he's trying to rally the troops and get them in between himself and bra all right well without much of an expression on his face it's just pretty much it's just you couldn't really tell if he's walking across the room to go to the bathroom or walking towards a goblin with a with a sharp weapon in his hand he's going to walk up with his Axe, uh, axe in hand and his shield in his other hand and try and bury his axe into the goblin's head. So you just mosey on over to kill him. Very, very matter of fact, you know. Go for it. 13, uh, versus AC. And, uh, do you have what Bless does, Mike? Uh, yes. Roll a d4 and add it to your rolls for the next, um, minute, I think. To all rolls? The attack. To an attack roll or a saving attack throw? Attack roll or saving throw, you roll a d4 in addition. That's awesome. Right. D4. And I got a 1. So, uh, 14 versus AC. All right. Well, uh, Mundus, you mosey on over. You swing that big axe of yours. And, uh, unfortunately, the goblin boss saw you coming, just walking straight on over. And, uh, he just kind of stepped backwards out of the way. I wasn't taking it very seriously. It's my own fault. And uh, and then we'll go over to Breathwall. My my hiding spot's not quite as good now that a beam of purest light is shining down upon me, blessing me. So uh, I'll go ahead and, I guess, stand up. And uh, we'll yell uh, at the goblins. I, I say, yield and you will be spared. Fight and you will certainly die. Uh, surely die. And, and I... Uh, We'll, we'll go for another uh, hit against the the Goblin King with my Soil Blast. He doesn't look uh, bloody, bruised, bandaged, bulldozed, like red and blinking. No, he's not red and blinking yet. Okay, <laughs> good. Because I can't pull my... Oh, nope, nope, I uh, 
even with my 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 uh, lovely uh, raven to help me deal with the daylight, I miss. Uh, my my shot goes wide. All right, and it will. Oh wait, D four. There's a chance. There you go. Uh, that means that my my six on the die plus six to hit plus one is thirteen. That's probably not enough. Uh, nope. No, that fourteen missed before. Does still go wide. All right. So we will bring it to the top of the order here, and the goblin boss uh, will rally his courage and take a swing at Mundus. Bring it on. But with a with a nine, I'm pretty sure that's gonna miss. <laughs> I just I lean forward and it just hits me right on the forehead and I I let out a giggle. <laughs> but th- but his action does uh, does inspire his fellow goblins to attack, so they will swarm forward. Two of them will uh, rush towards Mundus and take a couple swings. <laughs> Oh, one gets a 22. Yeah, that'll hit. For five damage. Okay. The other one misses. Two will run over towards Ruthwall. And with a 16. That'll hit. Uh, for five damage. From one of them only, the other one misses. Uh, let's see. Bra is still a little bit far away. Uh, but two of them will pull out their short bows and fire off a couple arrows at Bra. Uh, with a 15? Nope. All right, they both miss. I hold up my Bahamut's beard. And they fall off. And uh, Bra, that it makes it your turn. Bahamut, why do you test me so? And then, uh, are they fairly close together? Um, yes. Like, how close together? Um, well, the the two of them that fired arrows at you kind of ran out in front of the pack a little bit, and uh, two that attacked uh, Bruthwall ran over towards him, and he's kind of on the other side of this clearing, more towards the back of this little house. The big group of them are around the goblin boss, uh, which is where Mundus is right now. Well, I want to attack the two that just attacked me, but I want to try to get both of them in my breath weapon. So I will spend a point to make it a cone rather than a line. Would that do it? Yeah, that would be absolutely fine. Um, okay. You would need to take a, a step or two forward in order to get in a better um, tactical position, but that's fine. Okay, so I will lumber forward into the correct place. And then what it will look like is that I actually shoot two separate lightning bolts that just go out like, in, in a vector, so it's almost like it's a cone, but it just hits the two. Sure. Uh, they will need to make a, one out of each nostril. Correct. They need to make a DC 12 dexterity saves. Ah, they succeed. They still take half damage. Okay. Be uh, two points of damage each. Really? Yep. Would have been five, but you round down for damage, so do. Okay. Uh, well, that is still a very terrifying occurrence. And Mundus. Okay, on uh, getting hit with whatever he got hit by, Mundus is going to let out a little chuckle. He's going to drop his shield, uh, which would be a... Do we do free actions anymore? Yeah, that's fine. I'm going to drop my shield as a free action, and with my bonus action, I'm going to hit the button on the pommel of my uh, battle axe and... Uh, 
do a power pull extend and the blades whir and rotate within it, it's going to ex extend into a uh, great axe. And I'm going to let out a chuckle and uh, take another swing at the goblin boss with my new great axe. Go for it. Ooh, 19. It's going to be a uh, 24 versus a AC. A resounding blow, sir. 11 damage. All righty. Uh, and that was against the goblin boss. You're still chopping away at him, right? Did that kill him? Pretty much. You bring that axe down. Uh, you cleave it straight through. He is bleeding out. He looks horrible. Okay, I'm just gonna kind of. I'm just kind of look, gonna look around at the other goblins and just kind of shrug, kind of in it, kind of like an innocent shrug, like, "Oh, what can you do?" And Brithwall, go ahead. Do the other goblins look like they still have much fight left in them? They are definitely terrified. I I will say um I I will yell quite loudly to them I I, I say if 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 you cede uh, the battle then your your leader will be allowed to live and I will walk out toward the leader and start administering a healing herb to at least stabilize the goblin leader I don't know if it's a he or she hmm okay well why don't you give me two checks give me a heal check or medicine whatever it is now. Medicine, I'm sorry. And also give me a persuasion check. Well, the, the, I, I believe the healer's kit means I don't have to make a check for that, hopefully, right? I'll just check off at use of the healer's kit. Healer's kit. It, you do not. It, uh, you expend one use of the kit as an action to, to stabilize the creature that has zero hit points without needing to make a wisdom check. Oh. There we go. Perfect. Okay, cool. So, uh... That'll use your entire action. Yes. Although I, I assume I could still speak and be intimidating. Are you, you're, are you gonna ask me to make, like, a an intimidate or a convince or a persuade or something? Well, I'll leave that up to you. You can either try to intimidate them or persuade them. That's, uh, um, 14. 10 on the die. Well, you know what? With, uh, with your kind words and your action towards the goblin boss... The goblins actually seem to pay attention to what you say. And they look at each other kind of confused, and you hear them muttering in goblin. And a couple of them drop, you know, put their weapons down, they sheathe them. A couple of them run towards the boss and try to check on him and see what's going on. But in general, they do not seem antagonistic towards you. Okay. Now whose <laughs> turn is it next to break the peace and murder them? Well, that it does bring it around to the goblin boss's turn. <laughs> now that he's stable. He he bleeds as an action. Uh, <laughs> he he does bleed a little bit, but he looks up at you after you uh gave him this healing and he's really really confused. It's like it's like that scene from a knight's tale when the when the bad guy is on laying on his back at the very end and everyone just leans over and looking at him. And he looks at you, and you can almost see the little gears turning in his head, and he shrieks out in Goblin and takes a swing at you. Oh, the double cross! <laughs> Bahamut be praised, this could end without... Oh, fuck! <laughs> and he, he swings Diplomacy it. he wins out and... Nope, stabbed in the belly <laughs> by he the deceptive little dead goblin. <laughs> he swings at you with a 13. Uh, uh, fourteen is the uh, the trick number. So no, it it uh, all right. 
as his his blade impales into my uh, studded leather armor, but all he hits is stud. Well, he's still pretty uh, pretty wobbly from the blood loss, so. And unfortunately, his action incites a rage in the other goblins, and they all rush forward to continue the fight. Don't give in to peer pressure! Uh, <laughs> Be your own goblin! I'm switching more to Macho Man Randy Savage out of the Batman, I see. Oh, I, I, I'm That's feeling, right, brother. I'm, I'm getting kind of a Sergeant Slaughter vibe, like with the, with, the, with the, the more you know, stay in school crap at the end of the episode, you know? Like, don't give in to peer pressure. Now Shoot th- blue lasers at stuff instead. Now you know. I love, is half the battle. I love it. This is a great G.I. Joe episode. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going to happen here? The, uh, a lot of the goblins did, did bunch up to look at the boss, and when he swings at you, he... He jumps straight back. They all jump straight back into fighting. Um, two of them will uh, take a swing again at Mundus. They will both miss horribly. Two of them will take a swing at Brothwall and miss horribly. Unfortunately, no one is really in melee range of Bra because he's still pretty far away. But people will still shoot arrows at you. Oh, I got two... 22s. Surprisingly, one of those hits. Only one of them? All right. Yeah. Uh, you will take 10 damage from some arrows sticking in there. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. It's on now. It's on like and Donkey that, Kong. And... Uh, no, no, no. We're, we're not doing that here. It is on as though it were Donkey Kong. Grammar's our friend. And bra, <laughs> it is your turn. Okay. So now that I have been struck by arrows, my inner rage boils to the surface. I I take my shield and just sort of like break off both of the arrows wherever they struck me so that they're not sticking out. I go into my barbarian rage and I will charge at the closest goblin. Go for it. And I'm, like, I'm gonna fucking murder you! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a 19 on the die. It's like a 27 yep. or some crazy shit. You crushed him. Okay. Ready to roll for damage? Yeah, give me some damage. <laughs> nice. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten points of damage as I stab him through the neck with my trident. All right. Yeah, you absolutely obliterate this fellow. This was uh, one of the three that just shot you with an arrow. You swung your trident so hard, you actually damaged one of the guys behind him, too. And I want to think, like, I pick him up <laughs> almost like in Predator. So I'm holding him off the ground going, Aah! It's like emotionally unstable Aqua Batman. I yeah. like it. <laughs> and... You killed my parents! <laughs> Where's the bomb? And, Mun- <laughs> and Mundus, it is your turn. While all, while all this is happening and these uh, other goblins are ineffectually hitting me with their weapons, I'm going to be leaning on the palm of my axe, grinning over at, uh, at Braun. I'm going to look over at uh, Bruthwall, and it, when he stabs the first one, I'm going to say, oh, stick a fork in him, he's done. <laughs> and then when it goes through and impales the other one, he's going to go, oh, look, a goblin kebab. <laughs> and then I'm going to swing my axe and kill the leader. 21 versus AC on the leader. Yep. Give me some damage. Oh, I will. Seven uh, slashing damage. Yep. How did you kill him? Because you expertly murdered this poor goblin. Well, have you? Are you familiar with the scene in uh, in uh, Thirteen Ghosts where the gla- where the uh, the two sheets of glass cut the guy in half, and one half of him slides down, and the other half stands up? 
Yep. It's a lot like that, except it's from his uh, eyeballs to his belly button. <laughs> All right. Well, the with with a resounding blow from Mundus, accompanied by a very silly chuckle. Uh, oh, he's the delighted goblin, by all of this. The goblin boss is horribly, horribly slaughtered. <laughs> and upon seeing their leader fall, five of the goblins run away shrieking. But the uh, there are four remaining goblins, and they are just incited into a fury. And they are shrieking in goblin, and they continue to attack all of you. Two of them will attack uh, Mundus as he just slayed. That's not a word. Slew. Slew. There it is. Thank you. Slew their leader. One of them gets very lucky and connects with a 22 for a measly five damage. Uh, And two of them are next to draw. Uh, one of them is the one that you kind of have half impaled on your trident. Nice. So he is <laughs> trying to swing at you, and he misses. He's, uh, he's understandably annoyed. <laughs> it's kind of like that fight when you're just holding the, the short guy away by his forehead. He's, he's trying to swing at you, but he just can't get close enough. And the other one does take a swing with an 18. That will hit. Ah, uh, for five damage. I have resistance at the moment because of uh, my rage, so I take two. Very nice. And it will be your turn, okay, Mr. Dragonborn. So I will dip my trident almost like a samurai sword when you clean the blood and viscera off and fling the goblin off. I will spin it over my head, somewhat like the Star Wars kid, and I'm going to try to jab it in the face of the guy who just hit me. You know what? Before you roll your attack, uh, give me a strength check. A strength check. Uh, That would be a 17. All right. When you flip your trident, you actually shake the uh, goblin off of the end and throw him into a tree. Yes. uh, And he splats and dies. And you may attack the remaining goblin. All right. That's a 17 and a 4 on the die because I'm still under the bless spell plus 5. So it's like like a 26 again. Oh, more than enough. And three, four, five, seven points of damage. How do you want to describe this kill? I'm just going to kind of lay the trident across the bridge of his nose and just, not like a thrust, but just a con- consistent pressure. I just keep pushing down. He sort of collapses and then it just punctures in his head. And I'm still doing it all the way to the ground. Wow. <laughs> all right. Mundus, what would you like to do? All right, I have a question for you. Would picking up a goblin and throwing him be considered a feat of bodily might? Yes. I would like to uh, grapple one of these goblins, uh, pick him up, and then throw him at one of the fleeing goblins. (laughs) All right, uh, give me a strength check. All right, I'm going to double my proficiency bonus. That would be... Oh, and I rolled a one. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh... What? Well, that is not a guaranteed failure. Yeah, that would, be, uh, that would be an eight. Okay, with my with my strength, you did get a plus d four to that. Or no. I thought I thought ones were a guaranteed failure in this edition, aren't they? They're not a critical. You don't. F- I, I thought ones were a guaranteed failure in this edition. I don't think they were a critical failure, mm-hmm. but I thought they were guaranteed in failure. combat. I don't. When think it they comes are. to attacks, yes, skill checks are ah. a little different. 
at least that's how we well, like. He to would do roll things. a uh, he would roll an either an ac- a strength or a or an acrobatics check uh, opposing mine. All right. Well, I will I will give you the option for your failure here. You may choose to have the roll fail and you simply let him go, or you can choose to maintain your grasp of him, uh, but you will be not able to throw him. You'll just be holding a, a wriggling, squirming goblin. Either way, um, that will use up your action for this turn. Uh, I'll just hold him up by the scruff of the neck, and I, I'm waiting. I'm kind of have one eye kind of squinty as I'm trying to calculate range and distance so I can hit one of the fleeing goblins. Okay. And uh, that will bring it down to Breathwall. Breathwall uh, is keenly interested in getting at least one of these goblins alive so we can beat out of them what this item is and where the, our, our half-elf friend went and where they live so they can burn their houses down and horribly murder their families, I'm sure my companions will do. So I'm going to uh, not be able to do non-lethal damage with my trademark spell. I'm going to draw my short sword and look around for a nearby goblin, hopefully a not unimportant looking one that I can whap in the face with the flat of it. The only goblins that you could get to to attack uh, with melee would be one of actually the the one of the two that is around Mundus right now. He is holding one of them up in the air. The other one is on the ground, still bent on attacking yeah, him. Alright, we'll uh, flap that one right in the face. Let's Go see. for it. That's a uh, 19 on the die plus 2 on the d4 plus uh Four I have to hit with that, so... Uh, oh, goodness, yes. Yeah. Hooray! I do. Uh, what is that, a d6 for a short sword? Three points of damage. Wait, does does finesse weapons give you the bonus for decks on the damage, too? Five! Five points of damage! Ah, ah, ah. All right. And you were going non-lethal to try to knock uh, Well, out. yes. L- the best thing about this edition, I think... My opinion is, is uh, there's really no difference between the two yeah, damage it's, types. It's, it's that you can decide after the fact. Did he get knocked unconscious? Oh, I was definitely doing non-lethal. You know what? He is so distracted by his rage against Mundus uh, that you just caught him exactly right, and he drops to the ground unconscious. Yes. Right, one hostage. Um, it's all we need. It, and it would be uh, the goblin's turn that you are holding Mundus. So he will, he's going to make a, a, a wriggle away check. Okay. Uh, and he, and he will fail miserably. <laughs> of course he will. Somehow your grip tightened as he I'm, was getting trying to get away. I'm he's palming like, no, his your head like a needs basketball. To go on my throat. What, what's your, what's Mundus' strength bonus, Paul? Uh, his, for, uh, athletics or his, uh, strength, uh, saving throw? No, just, what's his just raw strength bonus? It would be a plus three. His modifier would be a plus three. Okay. Well, this goblin tries to wriggle away, and Mundus just grabs on a little bit tighter <laughs> and absolutely squishes him. So you've just got <laughs> goblin pulp in your hand right now. You. Oh. That. <laughs> so the other goblins are running away, shrieking into the woods. You guys are... uh pretty well covered in goblin blood and viscera, and there is one goblin unconscious on the ground. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. 
If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Yeah.